0: Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley.
1: And uh, I failed phys ed and English all the way through high school.
0: Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the the
2: dark force here.
0: And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Welcome ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowery. I'm a bodybuilding enthusiast. I'm an exercise physiologist uh, and I'm a nutrition professor who was almost late because I was grading sports nutrition tests.
2: (laughs) Hi folks, I'm Rob Fortney. I'm a former editor at MuscleMag International, former bodybuilder and current strength training guy.
1: That works. Uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome aboard. Charles Daly. I kind of lost my turn in in place there, but uh, I am uh, the author of Muscle Logic, creator of Escalating Density Training, and I'm a master's-level competitive weightlifter.
3: And he's the current, uh, I don't know what you call it, guru that is launching the uh, Snatch Care Reform Tour as well. I forgot that. I yeah, that. I know. This is Phil Stevens, um, strength athlete, strength coach, uh, and founder of LiftForHope.org. I want to urge everybody to go to www.liftforhope.org. The month of May, I'm trying to get as many people in the world as we can to support USA athletes by giving just one dollar. So, that's there a you cool go. concept. That is easy, quick, and it makes you feel good. Yep. So, uh, well, guys and girls, we have kind of uh, something a
1: little different, which is that we have a a show suggestion from a listener uh, who I'll give you his first name. His name is David. And uh, so uh, actually five days ago, I got a little note in my uh, Facebook uh, inbox. And David says, uh, the only time I wasn't seriously out of shape is when I did Body for Life in the golden era of muscle media 2000. Would you guys consider doing an Iron Radio show about the general process of taking an obese beginner and making him a lean, strong, conditioned athlete in a few years. Thanks. I'm on my way toward that goal right now, and I'm uh, an avid Iron Radio listener, EDT book, and video package customer. Thanks for your teaching. So, uh, boy, as soon as I heard that, I just thought that is the most, it's so obvious we just never even thought of it. You know, I mean, right? I mean, it's just amazing. It just struck all of us. as such a great topic, and uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's proximity bias, it's just so obvious, you just don't even consider uh, that. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. What, what is the general process of taking somebody who's seriously out of shape and getting them lean and strong and conditioned in a few years, which I like that little qualifier because um, that's better than 12 weeks. You know, I think, I think the, the process orientation might be a tip here. But uh, I know we all have lots to say about it. Is, is, I, I can throw my two cents into this, or I don't know, is, is anybody else just dying to jump jump into the into the pool here?
0: Well, you know, let me say just one thing about this question, because as I hear it, I, I, I'm hearing little questions within it. And one is, you know, get in shape, get lean, and get muscular. You know, those are yeah. sort of two different things. So, and like Charles, you were saying, you know, over two years, you're going to have to periodize on some level or, yeah. Yeah. you know, and you're going to have to think about times for leanness and times for weight gain. So uh, I wrote down eight or nine different little sort of behavioral uh, ideas or interventions here. And some of them are about getting lean, and some, are, some of them are about putting on lean mass. So, again, just to sort of throw that qualifier out there, and I don't have to go first with these, but just, yeah. you know, th- th- there's, there's sort of two questions here. I mean, Charles, you were just talking about you know bulking up a little bit and you know feeling yeah, good with some of that. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't want people to think that they're going to get big and ripped at the same time, and yeah. like you said, for Christ's sake, not in 8 or 12 weeks.
1: No, no. So there's, there's a level of maturity in that question where they say two years, uh, where David says
3: yeah. a few years. So. To start this out, I mean, I think from a guy who, who's, who's been there, and literally from what would be considered a horrible beginning, I mean, the number one step I know for everybody is you have to want it for you or it ain't going to happen. Um, and that's an easy thing to say. It's a hard thing to put in, in in reality. I mean, I know I was very overweight at one point, untrained, about 320 pounds, and I had tried every little trick in the book. And it wasn't until one day I said, hey, I'm tired of this, I'm, I'm going to do it, and then everything got pretty easy. And then it was just a matter of just doing it and making the habits right, the simple habits. But you have to really want it first. And, I mean, you got to address yourself and, hey, am I really – do I really want the change before anything will happen?
1: That was such, such a good point. And I wonder – and, Phil, I think this is something that happened to you back in the day, but I wonder how many of us have had the experience where, um, you know, you just wake up one day and you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror or, you know, you see a picture of yourself and you're like, holy crap, like that's it. That's it. This ends today. You kind of hit like the rock bottom. and. I, you know, people talk about that in alcoholism and stuff, but I, yeah. I, I I sense that that's kind of something that has to happen. I think when you ha- when you make that decision and you have a lot of conviction behind it, and, Phil, I know that's not exactly the point you're bringing up, but it's it's kind of yeah, it's pretty closely cool. related, right?
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, to stress is, and I tell this to everybody, um, uh, I don't care what coach you have. You know, me, Charles, Lonnie, writing your nutritional programs rob um i equate us to architects we can build a hell of a plan it's up to you to put it to action
0: you know it doesn't so we're not going to do it for you but you know we can give you some great some great tips for sure something along those same lines you know what let me just throw this in that when you're talking about motivation or you know even when you're working with a coach or a nutritionist or something uh one of the things that was really true for me, because I was in exactly the state that Charles talked about uh, about a year ago, I, w- I, was, I thought, well, I'll just lift at home. I, you know, I have a power rack at home and basic lifting equipment and stuff, and work was so intense that, I mean, it, it, basically I was fooling around in the lab, and my body fat was the highest it had ever been. And I thought, you know what, I've got to place myself in a position to succeed, so uh, that day... I I just, you know, sometimes things just snap, and I just, I went to the old gym where I used to prepare to compete at Bodybuilder's Gym, and I just started going there, and I just did general, kind of general conditioning stuff, you know, I I would squat, bench, and pull twice a week, and then I'd do some accessory stuff once or twice a week, but I had to do some general conditioning stuff, and I had to do it in an environment that motivated me, you know, so I got some, I got some, some my favorite old music and some new music. 'Cause to me that's a really big deal and I know this is for Rob too. And then I put myself back in Bodybuilders and here ten months later after basically a general almost rehabilitation program, you know, I I'm a thousand times better, you know, whether it's a lab measurement or the way I feel, my outlook, everything, just better. So you, you gotta set yourself up too to succeed. Oh, yeah. Well I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna cue off of what Lonnie just said and he used the word environment and uh... I, I want to introduce as my, you know, if I have a top tip here um, that does relate to environment, I think having social support is just massive and critical. I, and, and that's my big take-home point that I'd like to kind of leave on this call today. And, you know, this this is, is first and foremost in my mind right now because Phil and I just got done training uh, six guys. And they range in age from uh, who is our youngest guy? Well, Actually, I'll tell you what, our, our youngest guy was 15, and our oldest guy is 67, and everything in between, and we had six guys all training together. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, that there's an old saying, and some of you may have heard this, that you are the average of the five people that you, ha- that you spend the most time with. And the problem is, is that if you are looking to be fit, um, it's, chances are the people around you are, are not going to be in that ballgame. They're probably going to be, you know, similar to you. And when you are trying to make a change, whether it's being more successful in, in any realm of life, um, it, it, it tends to be that uh, the people who are ordinarily in your environment are not supportive because they end up looking worse by comparison. So I really – and, and I, the, the way I was going to phrase this tip initially was get into a group training situation. But this can mean that, but it, it also just means start finding friends and acquaintances and, and people that you hang out with who have these kinds of goals because, you know, you need the people around you to be supporting and, and kind of like-minded uh, to, to what you're trying to do. And I just think that's so huge. And, and I think about, Phil, you, you know, I think about Andy who's training with us today. And, you know, he's, he's a 67-year-old executive. And he's a, he's a stud beyond belief. And, you know, he got that way by hanging out with other, other people who are doing this. And I think in his everyday life, he probably doesn't know people who are committed to this. But he found people who are, uh, you know, in, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, realm of, you know, coaches and training partners and things like that. So that's my biggie right there. You just got to you gotta find people who are going to be supporting this venture. I,
3: I do agree partially and I I know that's a huge part and I, and I know you can make much better progress but, you know, I know that me living it, I use that many times as an excuse. You know, my training partner's not here. I, I still, I'm going to go back to the F1 for you and you have to start today. And that something, the number one thing is realizing that something is better than nothing. Any little step is going to get you closer to your goal. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was years there I had to train by myself. I went through my whole transformation by myself, and it's getting to that maturity point to where I don't care what other people say about what I eat, about how I'm training, you know, oh, you're obsessed with training, oh, you're obsessed with that. Well, it's my freaking life, <laughs> you know.
2: So <laughs> yeah. why do
3: you have more of a problem with me eating good food than I do, you know, and you have to reach that point. That's a tough point to get, especially when you're you're changing yourself. Uh, society's weird, and it doesn't... After a certain age, you have, like, people have this image of you, and if you try to better yourself or change that image of you, the door, they try and revolt against that for some reason. And, uh, you know, you have to just... You have to be kind of your own solo soldier there a, a bit, but, yeah, I do agree. Yeah. Seek out... Um, Seek out a community, and you know, when I did it, internet was maybe just started. I don't even know if it was there. So now you have the benefit of finding the internet community to support you. Which Boy, is great. what a,
1: what a great point that is too. Because cyber community is not the same as real community, but you know, it's a it's a good second choice.
0: Well, so especially think if you don't have if you don't have people around you that are are positive. You know, if those five people that that you're an amalgamation of, I mean. The people that I work with, the joke going around at the university, of course, working in a nutrition department is I'm the only non-post-menopausal faculty member, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, so you can imagine heavy weights and heavy metal are not going to be big parts of, of this cohort. Yeah.
3: So
0: so the the uh, sometimes you got to get the social thing. And podcasts, you know, I mean, there's different ways to feel like you're a part of a group. I think that's a great one, yeah.
3: Yep.
0: Huge, and
1: and you know, if if we take this to mean training in, with a group of people, as a very specific kind of uh, incarnation of this idea, and I've always said, and it's worth noting that, um, you know, it's it's great if you can have the fortitude as a beginner to to kind of steer your own ship, and and that's ultimately what what you should be striving for, but uh, you know, having somebody to hold you accountable is terribly useful, and if you if you buy into that idea. Um, uh, a group of people is far less likely to flake out on you than a training partner. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just feel very strongly that that's a useful a useful uh, tactic.
2: Well, all this thing, I mean, when when you read that original letter, the, the the thing that jumps out at me is just the psychological aspect of it more than the, you know, the physical me- mechanism of, of actually going and doing it. Because, like, as Phil said earlier, I mean, you know, if you have a, co- a reasonably competent person put down you know, the blueprint for, you know, a good way, at least to start, you know, on this journey. Um, you know, I mean, the mechanism of actually carrying through with it is, is relatively easy. It's the psychology of, I mean, the person says that, you know, the only time that they've ever been in shape was, you know, years and years ago for this for this competition or whatever it was. So, I mean, you're obviously dealing with somebody who does have a, um, to use the word that was used earlier, there's the, a the behavioral thing going on there. So, a lot of what we're talking about now, I think, really hits at the heart of the matter of, of what probably the, the average is as far as what a problem, the the major problem towards getting there, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah for sure. You know, cool. one of the things that I, that I thought about when, when I actually uh, look at that email was there's sort of a, a motivation to having a target date, right? I mean... Uh, one Good of the things, yeah. What, what, yeah, a few years ago, I remember one of the things that motivated me to compete in '04 uh, was I was talking to an old buddy of mine who's in shape, but I'm like, so what are your goals, man? You know, I mean, what motivates you? He goes, oh, I don't know. I thought I'd try to make my arms a little bit bigger, and you know, and I mean, everything sounded so vague, it, it, and the the weakness of the statement kind of pissed me off, and I'm like, dude, you know. There's nothing concrete there. So, you know what? I'm going to go in exactly the opposite direction and throw myself against other men. I mean, so so I picked a date a year hence, you know, and I went through a, a kind of a bulking phase, the whole, you know, process of competing and then leaning down over 20 weeks and all that stuff after I had put on, you know, some, some mass and so – the target date thing is huge, and that's why I want to share one of my little ideas. And I, I posted an article about this on, on Charles' site, and it might be in the library at ironradio.org as well. But uh, when I was in grad school, I used to draw an arrow chart. And, I mean, this is – it's funny, but you could put it on your fridge, and it's just it's – it's, it's the path. It's the pathway to success. And what, I, what you do is – let's say you want to gain weight – so you're going to go through a period of some gain first because you want to have some mass before you uh, you know lean it down. So you draw an arrow going up on a piece of paper, and at the bottom, you write down your current body weight. And if you want to get fancy, you could do lean mass and fat mass, you know, if you have, like, calipers or something. But you write your weight at the bottom, and at the top, and just to make the math easy, let's say 20 weeks from now, you do a 20-week mass phase, you're going to write your goal. So you got your current weight and your goal. Then I would cross off the goal at the top, and I'd shave 20% off of it. And I would do that on purpose because I didn't want to be overzealous and fail to reach my goal. So I've got where I'm at now, where I'm going to be in 20 weeks, and this is where sort of the path comes in. You cut the arrow in half and write down the middle number, if it was just like a say, body weight number. Then you take each half of the arrow that you've split And you half it again. So now you've got quarter marks as well as the halfway mark. And you can follow me. So so every five weeks or so, you can see if you're on track. If you're not gaining weight in week two or three or four, then, boy, you better start scheduling food or trying some new idea. You know, drink more calories, maybe eat more healthy fats. There's lots of things that you could do. Maybe it's the way you're training uh, but, so you steer yourself back on course, and I remember doing that when I was in grad school in San Diego, and I did it again when I competed. And for me at least, it worked wonders, because I had that in my face all the time. It was sort of quantitative, and if I wasn't meeting my long, my short-term goals, obviously I'm not going to meet my long-term goal. So I'm a big fan of the simple arrow chart. That's just one of mine.
2: Well, certainly coming from a background in bodybuilding, I mean, Lonnie, you know what I'm talking about with this. Seem, you know, the, the the further I kind of get distance from the whole competitive bodybuilding aspect, the more I see in just how, like you were saying about your friend talking about, you know, how when you asked him, he just said, oh, you know, I'd like to put some, maybe some size on my arms. I mean, that that seems to be the general kind of attitude of guys going to the gym these days, right? They're kind of these watery... Um, you know goals that they have that aren't very concrete, and they don't really, you know, talk to anything that's, you know, solid that you can actually, you know, set target for. And so, yeah, you have to find ways that are around that. Otherwise, you you become just like the majority who are these guys who, if they do last in the gym for any more than a year or two, they're guys that you see five years down the road, ten years down the road, fifteen years down the road, and they really have made no progress in strength or size, and they just have more injuries.
0: It's true, they're beating themselves up for no net gain, you know. You you know, what you're saying is so true with this kind of – I like the word watery, vague, you know, watery. I once heard someone say it's very hard to steer what you don't measure, you know, or direct what you don't measure. And when you say, I'd like to get my arms bigger, you know, stuff like that. No, screw that. You've got to have some kind of quantitation, some kind of numbers – you know so just like with the arrow chart to steer you back you know well the pounds aren't adding up i got to do something you know there's got to be something you measure so you know you can actually make sure you're progressing and like rob said not just sort of treading water and just doing nothing but adding mileage to your joints and you know with no net gain
3: if i can add um for me i mean i know i made great progress by the very i guess objective or very watery hey i want to get in great shape. I want to get leaner. I want to get bigger. And that that worked to go from shit to to okay. But uh, you know, to steal from Dave Tate, to go from good to great or whatnot, yeah, you got to get the best thing I could do was was go to strength sports. It's very objective. Um, and you know, I I took then an okay physique, a pretty good one, and and I had this goal in mind. You sign a sheet, and nothing's going to fire your butt up like knowing you got to go on a platform and perform. Yep. So, I mean, and strength sports for me was a much healthier way. I mean, I beat myself up mentally and this and that, trying to do the whole, hey, I'm going to look better, I'm training for abs, this and that thing. Um, strength sports gave me a weight a weight class. It gave me performance goals. And, you know, I know that if I say, okay, I want to bench 400 pounds, I'm going to look pretty damn good by saying I want to bench 40, 400 pounds and be in the 242 class or 198. Yeah or whatnot, you're going to buy, you know, your form is going to follow your function. So, and it's very, very quantitative, very, very objective. You know, you've got a a concrete goal to shoot for, and it's a healthy one, you know. That was
1: going to be my second take-home point, actually, was get involved in a sport. Yeah. You know, as a, by the way, I think it could be any sport. I, I think it could be, you know, a volleyball league or something. Yeah. You know, at least initially, but that satisfies in most cases the group um, suggestion that I had earlier. And as yeah. Phil said, it gives you a way to measure yourself and to measure your progress mm-hmm. in a quantitative way. And uh, if you can do both, you can get involved in a in a in a, some sort of a sports situation that involves a group. I think I think that's yeah. really a, a great place to be.
3: I think mean, mean, even rock climbing start, start, or anything like that. My goal is to make it to the top of this mountain. Just by training for that you're gonna look good. And you're gonna accomplish something along the way. Um, I think the other the other great point is uh one that I always bring up is training should be can be and should be fun. Find something you enjoy and then you're more apt to stick to it. There's ten thousand things to do. You know? Yep. It shouldn't suck. Go ahead, Sorry I cut you out there. Rob you were gonna say.
2: No, I was just going to say that, Charles, you um, really got me thinking about that a few years ago when I was down there visiting you guys for your seminar, uh, the whole idea of, um, you know, the, the wrapping your head around the whole concept of, you know, lo- lots of people exercise, but, you know, it, it's kind of, again, use the word, it's kind of watery, right? So I, I've kind of phrased it like, you know, exercisers work out, but athletes train, you know, and, you know, the yeah, whole concept yeah, yeah. of what you're saying about, you know, it's, it's if you can kind of... Um, Align yourself in in some sort of athletic mode, whether it be again bodybuilding, powerlifting, or water polo. It doesn't really matter what it is, but I mean, yeah. very the very act of doing that, I think, really ch- shifts a person's kind of like um, thrust towards kind of getting somewhere.
0: Even if your yeah. goal yeah. is, I think, long. First of all, you know, I think time frames are one of the most important thing we can educate people on. So I really like goals of half a year, a year. I mean, it can go beyond a year, of course, but then you can go through sort of phases and you've got this higher purpose, you know, like maybe it's massive weight gain for the first 20 weeks or 30 weeks, and then you're going to shift gears and, and lean out, you know. Uh, it's That's something that I, I've done in the past. I remember Dave Tate sort of talking along those lines, too. He'll take a whole year or year and a half and do these, you know, radically different, you know, goals and uh, while well, you guys are saying about, about even team sports and stuff, it's probably a great place to start. I and mean, if you're really in the hole, you, you feel flabby, small, you know, sore, stiff all the time, and you know you're just terribly out of shape, something like that could be great for your first, you know, 15 or 20-week, like, general conditioning phase, just to sort of wake your joints and your muscles and your, you know, b- blood flow back up. And, uh, you know, build some kind of base, even if your goal is ultimately strength. That's probably a good sort of general conditioning yeah. Yeah. way to start, you know. You just brought up a, another important one. Um, well, you, you brought it
3: up in my head. But uh, I forget who said this. I know Charles has talked about it. But um, most everybody out there knows point B, where they want yeah. to be. They don't have an accurate realization of where they are now, point A. So, it'd be kind of like, you know, okay, I want to go to Hawaii, but if you don't know where you're starting from, it's real hard to make a map to get there. So, <laughs> you need to be honest with yourself and just sit down, write down just how crappy you are. And be totally blatantly honest with yourself, and then you can, you already know point B, I want to look like freaking Ronnie Coleman, or whatever you want to look like. Find out where you're at now, and then I like those long term goals. I say shoot for the moon on them. And, but then, Take point A, point B, and make point A, point two, and you know right. these twelve week, fourteen week goals along the way—very objective goals you can get. And don't write down, "I want bigger arms." Write down, "In from in eight weeks, I'm going to f- be able to, you know, barbell curl two twenty-five, and I will have eighteen-inch arms. Something." Yeah, going so, you know, to have a target you know, to go for.
2: Yeah, which lends itself totally to what Bonnie was saying earlier with the uh, arrow chart or whatever you were talking about.
0: Yeah. yeah, just phases, right? You know, yeah. that way. I, I think I think about this in my academic life too. You've got to have this sort of higher purpose, you know. Whether it's my sort of theme with what I'm doing with protein and and, and research and you know data collection, you know, there's some ultimate contribution I'd like to make. It's the same yeah. thing with athletics. I mean, you could do it with so many things in your life, and I mean, I almost feel silly talking like this with Charles on the line because I, I always consider Charles sort of the the, the king of, of goal setting and, and behavior mod, but um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the long term higher purpose. That's your passion. That's your driver. Then you create those yeah. phases, like we talked about. I, yeah, I, absolutely. Because then yeah, each just, phase gets you toward that. Right. It's, each phase yeah. is something you can actually meet. You can meet the goal, but yeah. you know that you know what. Like when you're done with that mass building phase. You are not Ronnie Coleman on stage by yeah. any means, but you know yeah. that you've you've checked off a big part of that. You know. Yeah,
3: you've taken a you've chiseled a chip out of that big sculpture you're building. You know, you can't go in one big step. Break it into manageable chunks that get you there, and then you have all these small little rewards along the way. You know, hey, look, I made it here. I'm a step closer, and on up. What do
1: you, What do you guys think as I think about some of the recommendations we've made? I try to think of like a prototypical guy out there who's maybe 100 pounds overweight and is in terrible shape and stuff. I, I'm concerned that that person listening to this might think, well, it's easy for you guys to say, you know, uh, you know, get involved in a sport or you know, uh, get involved with some lifters or something, but you know, they're not going to accept me or I could never hang or whatever. And it, it really is not true. Isn't that your isn't that your sense? Sure. I mean, all of us together have probably been involved in dozens and dozens of different kinds of sports. I mean, I know I've been involved in martial arts and track and field, and, um, you know, uh, a lot of us have been involved. in. boy, I just think that almost in all cases, you know, new people are always welcomed with op- open arms. And uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone wants to speak to that at all. But I, I, I
0: just think those fears are more unfounded than you would think. Well, I was going to say one tip would be that Usually, the guys that are actually quite advanced, and maybe they 're a little bit older too, those are going to be guys if you respectfully ask them a question, I think you 're going to be surprised if you 're a newbie in a gym because that can be intimidating. I mean, hell, yes, it can you know you 're out of shape, you know you walk at like the gym that I lift at. It could be very intimidating, but I think people would be absolutely shocked if they went up to some of the you know those really big dudes, especially a little bit older because then you know you lose a little bit of the cockiness, you get a little bit of maturity. And these guys are soft-spoken. You know, they look so intimidating. They're these juggernauts that are just scowling at you, but that's because they have, you know, hail and kill blasting in their ears.
2: <laughs> you know, so,
0: you know, you can't, um, you, you don't misinterpret that. You know, they're, again, I think oh, I would suggest a little bit older guys, more advanced guys, and they'll usually take the time to, you know, be much cooler than you think.
3: Yeah. Oh, going back to the a bit off subject, but, I mean, the 100-pound overweight guy, this and that, I mean, I was there, and it's more just doing something. I mean, honestly, my first two years of exercise, I won't even call it training because I don't consider that it was, but it got me from, you know, I went from 320 to 285 in three months. I bought a Weider Power Rack, and I followed the Weider workout that came with it. I was doing something. <laughs> it's not rocket science at that point. I cleaned up my diet. I just I went low-carb and, you know, moved.
0: Maybe that's your first so, phase, you know, before you yeah. enter the gym. You get the gym membership. You're like, you know what? I'm going to get myself in some kind of at least barely functional yeah. state of being. So when I walk in there and I ask some questions and stuff, you know, I don't feel like I'm going to actually hurt myself as soon as I begin.
3: Yeah, it's realizing that, you know, if you're just a total couch potato and do no physical activity, that if you get up and walk, Four times a week you're doing more than you were and it's going to get you somewhere you know it doesn't have to be you know you're not going to go from a little from nothing to a, a world-class athlete overnight and you know that's the other big thing that people don't get they expect results tomorrow you got to realize this takes years yeah you know and you better enjoy the ride
0: time, time frames.
3: frames yeah so, I don't know. Good
2: if that's stuff. That's where I'm at right now. But. <laughs> well, like it, earlier, somebody was saying about, you know, it, it doesn't take really a, a massive plan to get to good, but to yeah. get from good to great, you yeah. really have, that's when you have to really kind of, you know,
1: yeah.
2: tighten the buckle and kind of, you know, put things a little bit more, I hate to use the word, but scientific a little bit. But, you know, I mean, yeah, just to, to take somebody who's just starting from nowhere and to make them decent um yeah, yeah. You, you can you can make so many mistakes along the way as long as you know mistakes only in correlation to how you know to somebody who's looking from an advanced state but you know to the average person like like you you say phil i mean yeah. just to get off your ass and walk around the block a few times you know maybe yeah. at, at, at a at a good clip i mean you know like again it's, it, like you said to use your phrase it's not rocket science you know it's just yeah. getting yourself moving getting the joints moving moving some blood around you know, and doing something because usually, if you, if you have any sort of um, likelihood of, of having some sort of longevity in this thing, and actually taking it to a point where you actually are going from good to great, you know, yeah. you, you'll just you'll just glean information as you go, right? And before you right. know it, you'll be probably surprise yourself as at how much information you've actually kind of you know gathered for yourself. And by the, by the time that happens you'll be in a position where you'll be able to decide, okay, do I want to now go from being now happy with myself to something that's a little bit more upper level, upper elite, you know?
3: By the well, way, making what, mistakes what, what, is, what, what, making say, mistakes is, is also more than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they a, they I said making mistakes is more than nothing. You're going to make mistakes, realize it. Yeah. But even if you're doing something and it's all wrong, doing the totally wrong thing is better than doing nothing at all.
1: No doubt. And, you know, you know what Rob was just saying is so significant. And Phil and I always talk about the beauty of being a beginner. And the beauty of being a beginner is <laughs> your workouts don't have to take two hours. You know, it's not rocket science. You know, you're going to make rapid gains regardless of whatever bonehead stuff you do as long as you don't hurt yourself. And there is a certain beauty to being a beginner. You, you actually, yes. it's easier to make gains than it is for... For somebody who's more advanced, so yeah, uh, and hey, hey, you know better. the interesting
2: thing about that is, you know, the longer you do train, and again, all of us have been around this for. I mean, combined, we have a hundred years of, of or more of experience with this whole thing. I can only speak for myself here, but I think you guys might agree. I find myself now, you know, after like a quarter century of doing this, actually trying to find and, and fi- trying to find actually go back to that kind of whole, yeah mentality that I had the first seven, eight years, you know, that, I mean, but with the, you know, with the benefit of all the information now I have, you know, and all the experience that I have, but nothing can beat that youthful exuberance, you know what I mean, that, that kind of blind kind of just, you know, um, want, you know, where you're going there and you're kind of just, you know, you' are you're you're not a rifle, you're just a shotgun, you know, and you're just kind of but man, you got a lot of lot of kick to you, you know, and you're just in there busting shit out, and like you say you're you're probably doing a lot of stupid shit, I mean God, the crap I used to do you know the first five ten years that I was doing, I think back, I think, man, but you know the the way my head space was at that point i mean that was that was potent shit,
3: oh yeah, yeah. you learned a lot from that too, oh, you find I, mean, a ton I did about a lot yourself. of dumb stuff, but I learned great work at work ethic. When I was doing that dumb stuff.
2: <laughs> but, oh yeah, you're like a, you, you know you're like a masochist, man. But I mean, mm-hmm. but Lion and I talk about this a lot. But I mean, you, as you're saying, you, you learn a ton about yourself and your limitations and your tolerances, and cer- certainly you you further those tolerances massive massively when you're kind of in that you know frame of mind but we also have to understand too that a lot of people kind of just don't have that i mean i think you know the four of us probably inherently have that and some people just don't yeah. so but even but regardless of that even so a person who doesn't have that inherent in them that kind of like warrior like thing still it doesn't negate the just, the just the huge benefit of again just doing something and moving right yeah.
0: yeah you know one of the things that i i think is important for people who are trying to pull themselves out of a stagnant state is pick some rewards that you can give to yourself. And one of them, of course, is massive gains. When you guys talk about early stage gains, I immediately sort of equate that to muscular body weight. You know, how awesome it was to gain 20 or even more pounds in a year, you know, for the first year or two or three. And I'd kill for probably five pounds over the course of a whole year now, you know. So as you become more uh, experienced and closer to your genetic limits, so to speak, uh, and that could be its own discussion, but then yeah, no you know, eventually, your motivation comes from the fondness that you had for your career and the early gains you had, and all that motivation, like like you said, Rob, getting back to it, but also a sense of pride because once you get to a certain point of muscle mass or strength, you walk around physically superior to almost everyone around you, and I'm not being cocky. I'm just saying. I mean, we were talking a few weeks ago on the podcast about how. A lot of people they can't even squat down, you know. Wh- whether it's Achilles' flexibility or for whatever reason they can't even squat down, let alone with a bunch of weight on their back, you know. Or they couldn't they couldn't sprint the length of a block without hurting themselves. Or I mean, there's any number of things that you can think about. So after a while, instead of rapid gains, it's more like you start getting a, a sense of maybe pride's not the right word, but just confidence. Because you you are becoming physically superior after a couple of years, you know?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, me and Charles talk about this all the time, and it's a, it's a fun fact to, to just realize that, hey, even when I'm injured, I'm stronger than 90% of the world. You know? Even when I'm feeling my worst, it's like, oh, man, I feel like crap. I'm hurt. My hamstring's killing me. But I can still outperform 90% of you yes. Hey, you want yeah, a number? Yeah. Here,
0: here's a number. I was just looking at it today. We were looking at a research project, this caffeine project we were going to do. Um, and I actually looked up, you are in the 99th percentile as a male, and this is from the Hogar and Hogar uh, okay. fitness textbook. <laughs> but it's no, based no, on a re- Something tells
1: me this is going to be very disappointing. <laughs> well,
0: it, it, it's based, it's, there's a real reference behind it. I, I can't remember the reference, you know, on the chart, but you are in the 99th percentile for bench press as a male, bench press repetitions, if you can bench 75% of your body weight 26 times. So, if you if you want an idea about what elite is from the average population, you know now of course you'd have to train sort of a muscular endurance aspect maybe, yeah. but you know just just by having huge one repetition maximum, I mean, 75% of my body weight, 26 times. Are you serious? Yeah. You yeah, know, I could I I could do that in my sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, So, anyway, I don't know. It it, it was funny for me to to actually see a number like that. And they actually had numbers for pull-downs and and lots of other things. That might be – I actually wrote an article once called Who's Elite. I I should spread that around. I never did publish it. But it's everything from, you know, vertical leap to bench press to squat to pull-down, you know, uh, just a whole bunch of, like, norms. And, man, when you look at norms, it's no wonder we all have some sense of confidence because, damn. (laughs) Yeah. And I, well, mean, just,
2: I th- and I think that comes down to, in, in the the broadest umbrella, is just what I like to term just body awareness, you know, um, regardless of whether it's weight training or, yeah. you know, around playing soccer. The point being is so many people, certainly in, you know, the modern age, they, they, they just have no body awareness. And it's, it's amazing to me that more people don't hurt themselves just getting out of bed in the morning um, when you see people... Um, try to engage in something when they just don't, and you see just a complete lack of coordination. And it's just—it's almost like they're they're a bag of limbs that just are kind of like flailing, flailing around. Um, it's a little wonder that people hurt themselves with such little, you know, provocations and stuff doing things, because again, there's just there's no coordination.
0: Well, you know, imagine that, that always imagine. Once upon a time, you know, you're, I think it was, it was Rob, you, you were, Phil, are talking about how much you learn as you go. This is nutritionally, I think, anatomically, so many ways, but there was a time where I, when I was a boy, that I looked at an arm or a leg as sort of a cylinder and, you know, and not a component of all the different muscles within. I can't even look at an arm or a leg like an average person does anymore, which is basically yeah. a cylinder, you know? So, no wonder they hurt themselves. All they know is that's sort of a fleshy tube, like you said, Rob, sort of limb. You know, body awareness is just not there, and it's not a deltoid tying into the humerus. And, you know, there's, there's not biceps and triceps and brachialis and all the muscles all the way down the arm. I mean, it, it, it's almost hard to even remember not knowing all that stuff. But, you know, the more yeah. you know, there's a clear correlation between how much you know and, and the kind of progress you make.
2: Well, is because, their arm
3: is just a bendable straw that puts food in their mouth.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, this is kind of lame, but I was talking to my mom the other day, and she watches, you know, Dance with the Stars and stuff. And, you know, she's talking about, you know, the people on there and people arguing about whether some of the, you know, these C level celebrities that they get on there, you know, whether some of them <laughs> are athletes or whatever, if they have advantages. And, you know, she was saying something to the effect of, oh, well, you know, they weren't a dancer. This person was whatever, right? But it was something, you know, it was it was something physical. And my whole point to her was, you know, absolutely no question these people have an advantage. No matter what the hell they did, if they were an athlete of some kind or physical in some way, of course they're going to have an advantage over some guy who's a couch potato CEO. You know, there's really no question about that. And again, it comes just to the fact that this person is going to have a huge, huge running head start just on body awareness. So they're going to probably make progress at at infinitely a better, you know, um, better rate.
0: Yeah, You know, let me go back to what I was saying before, because we were talking about experienced guys getting, you know, that sense of pride and, you know, uh, maybe even uh, competition as their sense of reward. I think in early stages, A, it's true, you've got some pretty nice gains to look forward to, whether it's in body fat dropping off or, or muscle mass coming around. Now, you know, again, obviously disclaimer here, talk to your doctor, I don't want people to go out and just try stupid stuff and Phil said make a mistake, you know, (laughs) something like that, that's not what we mean of course, but the point is, some sense of reward as you go yes, there's the physical changes, but something more acute than that maybe something like your favorite music, if you're highly motivated by music in the gym, like I am, then go buy yourself your favorite, you know, if you, let's say you meet your three-day-a-week split or four-day-a-week, you know, training schedule or something for a month. Give yourself a reward. You win, brother. Go, you know, and and actually get something like music that's just going to fuel your motivation for the next month, you know. And I actually think this is a place where supplements even play a role, and I know this is highly controversial, but I think some guys – one of the, benefit, the biggest benefits they have of a, of a dietary supplement or like a bodybuilding supplement or something is they're focusing in, on the supplement and it's sort of reminding them to also eat well or, you know, I'm on creatine, I'm gaining weight, I'm really pumped up right now. You know, they get excited about yeah. it and I actually think it's the behavioral um, momentum that it helps provide that may be its single best factor, mm-hmm. you know.
3: I'm, I'm a bit jaded on that but… Uh... I'm a firm believer that people should initially, like, especially the overweight people, you need to learn to lose it before you ever supplement, at least with, like, a fat burner. Creatine, I'm okay with. If you need that to do, like Lonnie said, it kind of affects behaviors. But I am very glad that I was ignorant to, like, weight loss supplements when I lost my weight because from being in the supplement industry for so long, I've seen a lot of people who get dependent on them. They They don't know they can lose weight without it. And that's all they think. Oh, I gotta do this because I gotta lose No, you need to learn how to do it first. Yeah. On your
0: own. It ain't that freaking hard. Um, well, it's a balancing act, that's for sure. Because especially right. if fat loss supplements are mostly stimulant in nature. And yeah. and if you're really overweight, Christ, you don't need something driving up your heart rate and your blood pressure and you know, and everything else. I mean it's a, a real balancing act. That.
3: A supplement is just that it's a supplement. It should be in addition to an already great plant, in my opinion. Um but don't no, you think
0: Phil Phil, don't you think though that there's some motivational factor to it?
3: Oh yeah, like you were saying, I mean and I think creatine can be a great one for that. I think everybody should be using it. Because <laughs> now I mean the the cognitive benefits and, and stuff that they're finding. But uh I yeah. think it's a great one and it's so cheap. Um, I think everybody in the world should be taking it. Just a teaspoon a day. Um just just talking about this brought up two great goals in mind. Um, going back to the topic of somebody that's beginning their hundred pounds overweight just looking at my own from where I was. You know, I was overweight from seven years old after a catastrophic injury that had me bedridden for a year to twenty, like two, is when I decided to, to change my habits. Two things that really fired me up and they're very objective goals you can do, go get a full blood panel done. That gives you things to correct. There's your dietary stuff. And the, hey, it's my goal to change my cholesterol and to change my hormone levels and this and that. And you're gonna see those changes through exercise and diet. And when you go get tested again in three months. The other thing I know it was very empowering to be able to do a chin up for the first time. That was like my first goal. Great point. And it was I was losing weight and getting stronger to do a chin. And I think that's one of the most empowering moves at all. Uh, and especially by the when you have never been able to do one.
1: Just as a takeoff on that, if you're hundred pounds overweight, you know what's very disempowering? Uh taking up jogging. You shouldn't do that. Uh, that's just a point I want to make uh, on this discussion. Like, you know, th- that's the first direction most people would go into. Don't start jogging if you're overweight, you know. It, it sucks enough to start with. And it, you know, in addition to it just plain not working, I mean, you are just going to pound the, the hell out of your joints, and particularly, I think, if you're a woman. It's just yeah. the worst idea, just the worst idea.
3: I mean... I know those two things were great, great starters for me. I mean, seeing my blood panel change in three months and my hormonal profile change in three months was a huge uh, incentive for me to keep going. It showed, look how much better you feel, and look, this shows why. And uh, yeah. I'm you also a firm believer in everybody getting tested when they're young, finding out where everything's at. You
0: know? so. Just to give people some... uh some variables to look at on their blood work that are going to change in, let's say, you know, a 15- or 20-week cycle sort of. Triglycerides are almost, if you're overweight, they're almost certainly going to go down. HDL will go up, you know, your good cholesterol, of course, and blood pressure will go down. I mean, losing a substantial amount of weight. You lose about 10% of your body weight, and there's a really good chance your blood pressure is going to come down. So those are three things that you can look to that will probably change. Yeah, that's a good one, Phil. I mean, you can add in there too. I mean, I think if you're pretty obese, I mean, if you're carrying around a hundred
3: pounds of excess fat, it's real likely your testosterone levels are going to be declined and be reduced. You're you're going to see a good change there, and and things like that as well. But
1: that's a that's a lot of good advice. I think in
3: less less than an hour, huh? I, well, another thing. I mean, one more thing, to add. I mean, if you are one of those people that just needs something to follow, just tell me what to frickin' do. You know, hire somebody. Just say, hey, I mean, it could be cheap to get a professional. If they don't have to personally coach you, right now, a 12-week plan. I'll pay you. And then
0: you have something there. But... Right. Especially if you can get someone you can hold them accountable, you know, as a, sort of a partner in the process. Yeah. You so I, I, there was one thing that I also thought about when I first was, was reading that email. I thought about something Rob and I used to do when he was living down here. And, that's scheduled pre-workout time, and I know Rob's a huge believer in this, but I yeah, don't I'm like sure. the idea of. And you know where I'm going with this, probably all you guys. I don't like the idea of running to pay your bills, running to school, take a test, and then just run to the gym. No, you sit around with uh, a, a training partner or two or three, and you don't. Know, you do this in your home, like Rob and I used to do in his apartment. We'd drink, you know, cheap instant coffee and watch heavy metal videos and stuff. But by the time we went to the gym, we were ready to run through a wall, you know. And I think that's sort of a. And I used to, I used to see that in a, when I used to look at a powerhouse gym where Dean Caputo used to own that. And remember, remember Dean Caputo? But um, those guys would sit around a table at the big, at the front of their gym and just drink coffee for a half an hour before they worked out. So that's the kind of stuff where you're actually scheduling that social time with someone who you know is going to be positive, you know. They're going to really build you up, or you know, in the gym when you're training. Yeah, I don't. I haven't always needed a training partner, but it's always been nice throughout my life to have you know, my brother or or Fortress or somebody just to know they're in the gym. Don't have to be training set for set with them, but know when they're there, you know.
2: And then every know, once in a while, some
0: somebody comes by and says, "God, your squat was flawless," or you know, "You're you you are looking huge," or you know, any of that kind of stuff. That's so. Plan for success, you know, and that kind of social thing, I think, should be scheduled before the gym and carry it right into the gym if you can.
2: Yeah, I'm huge with that kind of stuff, and you don't need to be with anybody. I mean, you can do it even like, you know, like sitting in your car. I've done that before, too, where you just take 20 minutes and you're sitting in your car with your stereo or, you know, magazine. Well, whatever you're doing, I mean, but I've always said that that's part of the workout. I mean... You know, when people say, "Well, how long would you know did that particular session take?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, that one took an hour and a half, but the whole you know the the, the entirety of what I consider to be the whole thing maybe be you know two and a half three hours." You know, by the time you right. have the the run into it, then you go, and then you have the kind of what the, the post workout thing where you're eating or what doing whatever you're doing, right? I mean, cooling your jets, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you're a big part of that too because I, I, you brought that up about a year ago. The whole concept of Everybody was ramping up and not coming down the other side, and you know, so it, it's it's you know it, it has to be an event, you know, and you got to make it into an event. It's 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 a part of the day that's important, and like you say, I mean, how can you get your you know wrap your mind around the whole concept of you know busting out of hard sets of squats if you're like you say you're you know by the time you get to the gym you're already flaked out anyway because you ran like fifty five chores, you know, and that's just another one. I mean, it, well, here's the
0: most. Let me give the most practical tip of all. I mean, if you don't have a group to do this with, you guys, Rob's got a great point. It's not necessarily social. I mean, that the social thing is very important, but it's not requisite to the sort of sports psychology that leads up to a brutal session in the gym. And the cool thing is you can listen to a podcast like this. I mean, you can listen to metal music, of course, motivational music. But if you don't have a group, you can sit around and have coffee and listen to us blather on if you want. But the point being is you're getting your head... You know, sort of mind in the muscle to sound like Tom Platts, you know you're getting yourself in that state of mind where you can concentrate on your muscles and the movements when you do get to the gym, and your the world falls away, you know this soft corporate world just falls away, and you don't have to be super fit, you don't have to be highly experienced, even the most ranked beginner can sit around and listen to a podcast or listen to some of his favorite music or her favorite music and schedule this, right, for thirty minutes before I go to the gym. I love the way Rob says it. it's it's part of the workout itself. So schedule it in. Because
3: yeah, you will Hey, that's for sure.
0: I just that is I just, a great idea,
3: guys. We need to like pick out our favorite pre workout or during training song and then we'll each just tape ourselves talking trash. And we'll put it and we'll like hold yeah. the tape for like five, <laughs> $5. ninety nine for uh going to the gym. <laughs>
2: Listen. Talking trash.
0: Yeah. yeah, I like it. The bonus episode. <laughs> Talking trash. I, don't know, I think I think I think Fortress will scare people. <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't I don't know if people really want to hear what I'm thinking. <laughs> Scream,
0: listening to Cannibal Corpse or something in the background, and you know, <laughs> horrible blasphemies pouring out of his mouth. <laughs>
2: yeah, they're their they're number one hit bent backwards and broken.
0: Great. <laughs> <Not great.
1: laughs> that's, that's a visual for you right there yeah
0: <laughs>
1: not before you go
0: squat or something you know or yeah not good no
1: no no no, no. <laughs>
0: okay, great
1: I've point noticed. about the great point about the pre-workout ritual i just uh, all good athletes have it yeah uh, you know a lot of that ritual too i've noticed is uh kind of preparing yourself for battle in terms of dressing out and you know, getting your icy hot on or whatever it is that you do, you know, and taping up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, man. Like, I mean, I make a point of, and just a side note here, like, I mean, I make a point. Nothing I ever wear to the gym ever gets worn for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> By the time I put that shit on, like that, it's go time. You know what I mean? It's Yeah. yeah. Like, because I mean, even down to socks. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have specific socks. Like, I have a pair of socks that I only wear when I squat. That's it. You know, I have other pairs of socks that I only wear only for when I do anything that's upper body. You Rob, know? you
1: may have just crossed the chasm between useful and disturbing. Right?
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, but you know what I mean. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're, you're telling. I mean, I, I think I think this is actually more common than people think among <laughs> you know. No, I,
0: I, upper like level I, I I mean, like
2: I know Tom too. Platts, You know, he's a, he's a friend of mine. Him and I used to talk at length of this stuff. I mean, he was the exact same way. He had you know, cloth combinations that only got used for certain things. He had one towel that he only used for uh, uh, you know, squatting. I mean, you know. And, but I think in most sports, you hear people have little rituals that they go through, right? And it's not something that you're like. You know psychotic about it's just something that no, no, that no. you just do and it you don't even have to think about it you know it's just no, like it well okay I'm squatting today this is what I'm yeah. wearing and this is what I'm bringing you know yeah
1: no it's it's a way of setting up a boundary between your everyday life and your training which is different than your everyday life so yeah. it's yeah one it's one of many ways to say okay things are different now um, you know I have to get into a different mode here and uh, it's it's very valuable for sure.
2: Well, the whole thing is everything outside of that is conformity, right? Like in our society, everything's about conforming to something that somebody else has set for you. You know, this is something that you can make your own, right? You can design your own reality for that couple hours, you know? And that is everything from, like Lonnie says, everything you listen to, to what you wear, to what you're thinking, um, you know, to what you do. That's your world. That's your reality. And... I think it's actually very, very healthy living in the society that we do right now to be able to be able to do that, and I don't think many people have that kind of escape, or they choose things that are harmful them to them, right? Drugs or alcohol or things like that that are not doing them any benefit to escape. So, and we all need an escape. So, if it's you know, why not make it something that's beneficial for you, and go at it whole hog, you know, and and not hold back.
0: There is, I think most men have sort of the. This sounds cheesy, but the longer you're in this, you realize it's really not. But this sort of inner warrior thing, you know, whether it's the lone warrior or, you know, you go with a training partner or whatever, it's uh, it's like that old Conan movie quote. You know, he says, you know, you can't trust men or women or beasts. This you can trust, you know, and he's pointing at the steel. And, I, <laughs> it, it, and that's right. I think that, that's absolutely right. You can trust it. It's always there, you know. So... There's there's no shame in that. I I think that's part of the the male state of being, in a sense. And not just male, but, you know, women too. There's people, especially some people more than others, they've got that inner warrior and in setting aside some time for the gym and setting yourself up to succeed and everything. No matter what kind of beginner you are, you can tap into that over time and you can get better at it.
3: Uh, we're about there. Do you want to put in, like, three, four words, closing? You know, on, I don't know, what tip.
1: Well, you know what I, I you know this this is not entirely consistent with my previous tips, but you know make some sort of concrete step to to start it today. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I always love how to say you know the, the sure way of knowing someone's not serious is when they say "I'll start Monday or "I'll start tomorrow." that that just means you're not serious. so prove to yourself you're serious. do something today and uh, take advantage of these tips and uh, you're often run it.
0: Charles, that is solid gold, man. Start today. Yeah.
3: Like as soon as we're done. Yep. That's like I say, the best way to suck something is to keep not doing it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, for sure. Yeah, I like that.
3: My other one is just, just be additive, Be positive. Don't focus on what you don't get to do. Focus on what you are doing. There you go. All right. I like it. I suppose that's
0: it. We'll shut
2: her down. Cool so, thanks, guys. I, uh, hell, I'm motivated from listening to all this shit.
3: I know.
0: Today's supposed to be my off date. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> me, too. <laughs> we get to go take it out on clients.
3: So. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, cool. Thanks
0: a lot, guys. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.